Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. I'd like to introduce to our Colonial family, Mike Sproul, I should say, Colonel Mike Sproul. Colonel Sproul serves as the director of the Air National Guard Chaplain Corps and advises the senior National Guard leadership on all matters pertaining to religious freedom. Currently, from what Brother Mike has told me, there are 600 Air National Guard chaplains serving 107,700 members of the Air National Guard in 237 locations. And so today, as we talk to Colonel Sproul, uh, we're talking to the man who has a great responsibility uh, to lead as director of the Air National Guard Chaplain Corps. He's served for 29 years. He's also served very actively in major pastoral ministries, predominantly in Arizona, and college presidency and teaching. Uh, his, uh, his bio is quite large, and we're privileged to have him with us along the way. I know it'll be interesting to our church family to know that Colonel Sproul has been in active duty in Desert Storm, and also twice in Operation Enduring Freedom. He's received many awards, including the Meritorious Service Medal, and four bronze oak clusters. So Mike, that's pretty formal to say that all about a friend, but it's, you are indeed a friend, uh, both to me and to this ministry, and we're just privileged to speak with you today and uh, hear a little bit about how we can pray for you and how we can pray for our country. So on this 4th of July weekend, thank you for joining us. Uh, Brother Mike, I think I'm going to begin by asking you uh, to share with us just a little bit about what does a chaplain do? What does a chaplain do? Thank you, Dr. Phelps. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak to the colonial membership and especially on such a wonderful anniversary as July 4th and the birth of our country. Um, What's interesting is the very first chaplain uh, was in 1636. So if you go back to um, the Pilgrims coming to America in November of 1620, Samuel Stone was the very, very first uh, militia call it National Guard, chaplain, and he was involved in the Pequot War, um, and that was in 1636. So you have, within 16 years of the pilgrims coming to America, you have a pastor going with military from his area into battle and praying for them and praying with them before they go into battle. So um, our Guard militia, if you use that term, Army National Guard, Air National Guard, you use those terms, actually, they go back to the early part of the 17th century in America. It evolved through the years. And of course, under the First Amendment to the Constitution, we have those first 15 words in the Bill of Rights, which talk about basically the disestablishment of an established church, which, as many of your folks would know, we had established churches in America, the Anglican Church in the South, the Puritan or Congregational Church in Massachusetts in the North. And so it disestablished that. In other words, it made it meant that there was no state church. It, it took the heavy hand of government and coercive control off of a man's conscience. And really, the, the Bill of Rights is a, is a, is a Baptist document. It, it really is. And we as chaplains are here primarily. We do a lot of other things. We counsel. We preach the gospel if you're an evangelical chaplain. Um, we do many, many of those things. We advise leadership on religious freedom issues. But our number one issue is to make sure that those first 15 words of the, of the Bill of Rights are, are adhered to. In other words, the freedom from coercion. So what's interesting is more than once atheists have taken the chaplaincy to the Supreme Court. 
to try to do away with the Supreme Court, uh, the chaplaincy, saying it's it's an established religion. <clears throat> and the Supreme Court has ruled that that is not true because of the free exercise clause in the Constitution. The free exercise clause says the military cannot take a member to a place in the world where they cannot freely exercise their religion. So for instance, when I deployed in 2013 to Manas, Kyrgyzstan, a, a largely Muslim country, there's only one Protestant church in the entire country. Well, we had a base of thousands of people, 50,000 Americans went through that base in six months in and out of Afghanistan while I was there. Well, if I'm not there, then their free exercise to religion is null and void. So the Supreme Court has ruled that the chaplaincy is there for the free exercise of religion. And that's, while we do many other things, that really is what we're about and saying that so the state cannot coerce you you have the right and to, to the free exercise of whatever faith tradition uh, your conscience wishes you to, to adhere to. Well, that's, of course, as Baptists, that's a boon to us, right? Because we, we have the word of God on our side. And so we're all in favor of free exercise. So yeah. I hope that kind of gives your folks an idea of what the chaplain corps is really about. As an evangelical, I mean, we share the gospel and and counsel and bring baptize men and women and boys and girls you know i do all those things uh, but that's my primary role is to make sure the free exercise of religion is adhered to in the military well it's a, a thrilling thing i remember reading years ago charles spurgeon saying that one of the saddest things about the baptist people this is in the 1800s was their lack of familiarity with our history and our history is indeed a precious history uh, deriving really from matthew 22 uh, where we read, uh, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar, unto God's the thing, God the things that are God's. And as you've uh, well stated, even in colonial times, uh, that little bitty place called Providence in the state now of Rhode Island uh, was a place where the Baptist experiment took took hold. Yes. And the light of that candle has uh, brought religious freedom around the world. It's, it really is thrilling uh, to know your position now uh, with the Air National Guard and the opportunity God has given you uh, to make sure that that freedom uh, still stands and still is recognized as you advise in uh, the, the position of ministry God has given to you at this, at this moment. Hey, Mike, could you tell our church family a little bit, um, mm -hmm. you know, we hear about the National Guard a lot right now, unfortunately. You're at Andrews Air Force Base, right? So you're you know, there in the Capitol. So is Andrews, I think I'm right that Andrews Air Force Base is the uh, home of Air Force One? Yep. It's Air Force One is um, a five-minute walk from my house. Okay. I walk, I, walk by Air, I walk by the hangar to Air Force One every single morning when I go out for my walk. Yeah, so you're seeing the, the elite among our armed services, uh, for yes. sure. Um, and we're hearing a lot about the National Guard right now. Um, tell me how that's impacted your ministry, if you don't mind. Sure. So part of it is, as I lead, as you mentioned, um, about 600 chaplains and uh, we call them religious affairs airmen, the, 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 we as chaplains are never allowed to carry a weapon, part of the Geneva Convention. So who protects us is that enlisted person. They assist us in ministry and setting up for communion and a whole host of other things. Um, but they also carry a weapon. So as I've often said, I always wanted a religious affairs airman that was about six foot eight and uh, could stand in front of me and, and take shrapnel for me. You know, that, I'm joking, of course. But so I lead and so I direct. Um, there are 90 wings 
in the Air National Guard in all 54 states, territories in the District of Columbia. We have, as you mentioned, 237 geographically separated units. So we are all over the world, um, literally from Guam to Maine, you know, from Alaska, Fairbanks to the, the tip of Miami. We, we are militia. We are citizen soldiers and citizen airmen. And so when we're called, one of the reasons we're called in a time of uh, civil unrest is our framers designed it that way. There's only been eight times in which and the media made a big deal out of the president potentially calling, and I'm gonna use a term on you, Title 10, that's active duty forces, are in Title 10 status into a civil unrest. And they made a big deal out of that. Well, it's actually happened eight other times. The most recent was Rodney King, the riots after Rodney King's death. President Bush called active duty units into civil unrest. So it, it's not normal. The normal is that the National Guard or the Air Guard, because this, the idea is that your neighbor is not as likely to shoot you if there's a civil unrest, unless it's, it's a well-established issue within the community that this civil unrest is, is wrong. So the militias are drawn from the states and the territories. So it's like your neighborhood friend down the street is now in uniform stopping the riot. And, they, and our founders did that on purpose because they didn't want a standing army uh, destroying people in America. Uh, the very first um, uh, uh, kind of insurrection was in southwestern Pennsylvania after the signing of the Constitution, and it was over stills and alcohol, and Washington sent in the militia. He sent in the neighbors to say, no, you can't, you can't do this. So one of the things, to answer your question, one of the things we've been vectoring is because understandably so, I, I don't know that there's too many people that would ever even think some of the videos that we have seen are acceptable in, in, in unarmed uh, civilians dying when they, no matter what they've done or not done, when they're unarmed saying, I can't breathe. I mean, I just don't know anybody that thinks that that's acceptable behavior. So understandably, some people are very sympathetic with that, perfectly understandably. What we as chaplains have been doing, I, I did this just recently with a whole group here at Andrews that were brought in on the civil unrest and went back to our first principles. They were all sitting out in their, with their, in their uniforms and their guns. And they're asking me, you know, chaplain, what, what's it like in DC right now? We're seeing this on the news. We just flew in, we're at Andrews. What are we gonna do? What are we seeing? And it was just great for me as a chaplain to be a place where they could really share, because I have confidentiality, and really share how, how unsettling it was for them to be put in this predicament, as it were. And, and for me to remind them that our constitution allows for peaceful demonstrations and peaceful redress of grievances, but not rioting and not looting. And that their role was to ensure the safety of the peaceable demonstrations, but maybe be arresting the looters. And that's, that was their constitutional oath, that their, their constitutional oath was to make sure that peaceable demonstration are absolutely allowed. We support that. Even if whoever might disagree with the peaceable demonstration, it's in our constitution to peaceably demonstrate. But that they're there to, to guarantee that federal buildings aren't looted and federal buildings aren't vandalized. I went through that for about 20 minutes with a whole group of guardsmen who were there from out of state. 
And it was, by the end, they're all nodding. And there were all different ethnicities represented. Everybody was nodding. And, and I said, do you guys feel better about going into DC after we chatted? And they were like, yeah, chaplain, thank you so much for helping us clarify exactly why we're here. So yeah, those, are the, those are some of the reasons that the chaplains are there. You're able to bring that moral authority to bear with the historic truth. And I'm sure that really settles the heart of the men who are going to be really standing in the front lines. I'm sure that you've had to uh, uh, minister to some of their families and some of the traumatic situations of seeing friends being maligned. Uh, has that been occurring there in the D.C. area? Um, I've seen it. I don't know of it personally, but I've seen it on video and I've heard through our senior staff meetings, reports that have come up the chain of um, people in the guard in various states um, not doing anything, they're just standing in a line, right? Um, and having distant cousins come up and spit on them, um, having having friends from the neighborhood come up and, and cuss at them. And, and all they're doing is standing in a line. They were not, um, they, they were doing nothing but just saying this, this is an area you can't go in to demonstrate, but you have the freedom to go into all these other areas and demonstrate. The road is here, walk down the road. Um, and, and, and that is very difficult for them. You know, they, they, they're a lot of times 19, 20, 21. These are, these are young people, right? And they have their neighborhood buddies screaming at them. And that's been only a couple instances I've heard of. But yeah, it, that, that has happened. Um, it's certainly nothing like what the generation, you know, coming home from Vietnam experienced. That, it's nothing even close to that. But yeah, that is a hard thing for our 19, 20 year old airmen and soldiers who are just doing what the Constitution tells them to do. And I will just reiterate, that is an extreme minority, a real, real, real minority of experiences. Most of the experiences have been, that I've heard have been actually pretty good. Guardsmen talking to their neighbors, I'm having conversations back and forth. It, it's generally been pretty good. Good, good. Well, it, it's just refreshing to hear your perspective, Brother Mike, and I know it will inspire our people to pray more for those who are on the front lines as they uh, see it in the news. It's all around us right now, yes. of course. Now, you've got almost 30 years of experience in the military and more years than that in uh, pastoral and ministerial experience. Um, I'm wondering if you had the opportunity to speak to a young person who's thinking about uh, military uh, in their future, how would you counsel them right now based on what you're seeing and what your experience has been? Well, I would say, depending on what they're interested in, I, I say for, for um, pastors who have at least a 72 hour degree or up to the MDiv, um, the guard and reserve, we call it the ARC, the, the air reserve component, <clears throat> the air force reserve, the guard, then you have national guard army, uh, Army Reserve, as well as Navy Reserve, it is a target-rich environment for ministry. I mean, it's been some of the most rewarding things I've ever done. You mentioned my home church where I pastored for 23 years. Our youth pastor is a Navy Reserve chaplain. Our college pastor is an Air Guard chaplain. Our 20 and 30-somethings chaplain is an Air Force Reserve chaplain. And um, the ministry that they have to people that would absolutely never walk in the door of a church they're on the flight line, they're turning a wrench, they're fixing a tank. And you know, you crawl underneath the tank with them and you, and you just talk to them about what's your marriage like? What's going on with your kids? You know, I mean, it is a just a target rich environment uh, for a pastor. And because the First Amendment 
we have to be wise as serpent and harmless as doves, but people are seeking us out. This generation has been reared without, without God. And as the ancient church father said, man is created with a hole in his soul that's only satisfied by God. And it, I will just go back and use the military term. It's a target-rich environment. <clears throat> so from a chaplain perspective or a pastor perspective, it is just a wonderful opportunity for ministry. For a younger person, if they want help going through college financially, if they want a good trade, cybersecurity, I mean, the military pays for all that. My son is an Air Force Academy grad. He's a combat pilot. Um, he's got 3,500 hours in his jet as a combat pilot. Um, you know, and he's 30, uh, you wow. know, and uh, just turned 31, excuse me, and has a baby and married. And, you know, I mean, it's been, they paid for his college. They paid for his flight school. They paid for all of his hours in his jet. Now that's, you know, more of the, the pilots, but across the spectrum, the vocational tech skills, um, experience, that's the secular side. On the spiritual side, um, you better be ready to be alone. <clears throat> you better be ready to, some, to, to be able to find a handful of friends that might have your value system because the vast majority are not going to have your value system. And you just, you just need to, to chalk it up that... <clears throat> um, you might be alone in your dorm room on a Friday night because everybody else is out drinking and, and doing things that as a Christian, we would be precluded from doing. And you may get laughed at and jeered and be alone. And uh, that's when you call you on, on Zoom and talk to your pastor on Zoom when you're alone in the dorm room. But I think that Christian 18 year old, 19 year old is gonna have to say, you know what, I may have some evenings alone in my dorm because I can't go with them to the debauchery that they go to. Yes. Well, we need to keep that in mind and pray for our young people. We Amen. celebrate their accomplishments, but we surely should pray for their purity. Absolutely. Their integrity to be maintained. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org. You can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast. Mm-hmm.